The DA has warned about rainbow fentanyl that looks like candy to get kids hooked. Many parents were concerned about it ahead of Halloween, but the top DEA official later said the fears weren't grounded in reality. On another note, I'm upset after Halloween because, once again, Gumdrop Candy Dots got a lot of hate. I'm here to clear their name. They really are the best. Dots is not paying me to say this. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ben Leonard. Here's what I'm following this week. Pfizer came out with new top-line data on a maternal RSV vaccine designed to protect newborn babies. It showed to be pretty effective, with no safety concerns reported. It matters because pediatric hospitals have been filling up due to RSV, but currently there aren't any vaccines ready for the virus. And another thing I've been watching is some new data on people in states that ban abortion and how they're taking legal risks to end their pregnancies. Data from telehealth company Aid Access shows a rise in orders for abortion pills in states banning the procedure. It demonstrates how the new landscape looks for people seeking abortion. And Catherine Foley's here to talk tobacco, specifically about the FDA's Center for Tobacco Products. Last week, an external review panel formed by the Reagan Udall Foundation began hearing from industry experts, public health experts, and legal experts about some problems with the Center for Tobacco Products. And it's interesting because everybody is coming at their criticisms of CTP from different policy perspectives, but there were definitely some common themes in what they wanted to see happen. So the biggest takeaways, in my opinion, were right now the application process for bringing a new tobacco product to market, like an e-cigarette, is way too clunky and confusing and time-consuming. So that's one of them. Then there is the issue that FDA hasn't really created a list of like what companies, like what retailers can legally sell. And then the last issue is that the Center for Tobacco Products Office of Science, which is sort of the main area that's reviewing the scientific evidence of all of these applications, needs to be allowed to operate independently. It can't have this political pressure that's coming in from all sides. That's really interesting. So looking back, how did, how did we get to this point? Why was the review called in the first place? The Center for Tobacco Products is actually one of the youngest centers within FDA. It's only about 13 years old. And a lot of the other centers have been running more smoothly for far longer. But the Center for Tobacco Products does have a unique challenge in that it's being called to regulate things that, by and large, have been on the market for a really long time. So with drug products, you know, you're not allowed to sell anything unless it's already been vetted by the FDA. And with tobacco products in this case, now you're sort of in this uncharted territory. And so far, the center is not doing well. You know, it's over a year behind in deciding the fate of some e-cigarettes that are still on the market because their applications are pending. The FDA was supposed to wrap up these application reviews by September of 2021. So Mm. we're well beyond that. And a lot of the outstanding applications are those that are from major market players, right? So they're they're the ones that most vapors are actually using. Uh, the center is also super far behind on deciding the fate of products that use synthetic nicotine. So earlier this year, the FDA was granted the ability to regulate these products, and they were supposed to have done so by like July, and we're way beyond that. Hmm. People on all sides of the debate about what role e-cigarettes have in the protection of public health are mad at FDA for this. So you've got the folks who are most concerned about teenage vaping saying, you know, when FDA is taking this long, there are still these products that kids are picking up on the market. And then you have those adult smokers um, who fear that without an alternative, 
they're just going, adults are just going to keep using cigarettes, which we know are super harmful. Mm-hmm. And the FDA has even said that it's aware that switching entirely to e-cigarettes would be a medical benefit to current adult smokers. So long story short, Robert Califf, the FDA's commissioner, called for this review way back in July. And this panel is supposed to provide their recommendations to CTP by no later than December of this year. Something that jumped out to me from your story that I thought was pretty interesting was that anonymous agency FDA staffers were chiming in. Um, Is this at all unusual? So this is definitely stirring up some drama. Reagan Udall, the group that is performing this external review, has an option to self-identify as an FDA staffer. So it's not totally transparent to the public whether these people are, in fact, Mm. FDA staffers, but... Given what we know about how the center has been operating, it's it's not it could very well be that these are FDA staffers and they've been very critical of the way that they've had to deal with a lot of external pressure from lawmakers who want to see more e-cigarettes taken off the market or other political figures who are pressuring them one way or another to do their job. And they're saying, you know, we're not allowed to look at the science. We're not allowed to have the time we need to review these scientific applications for these products. And then we're being blamed for it. Like we all really care about public health, but this is not an environment where we can carry out our jobs. Hmm. Obviously, these players are very concerned about keeping their jobs. So they've all been allowed to stay anonymous throughout this process, which makes it harder to validate what's going on, but also easier for them to hopefully remain in a position where they can keep working. Okay. And I guess just looking forward, you know, how do we move forward from here? So this is also a really great question. And for once, it has a little bit of an optimistic answer. This review is really focused on providing the FDA's Center for Tobacco Products with concrete recommendations for how they can improve their processes, right? The expert review panel is filled with people who have FDA or other governmental experience in running really successful centers. So the group is really hoping that they can provide the Center for Tobacco Products actionable items, like making that list of products that are legally allowed to be sold or coming up with a standard way of reviewing tobacco product applications so you're not just starting from scratch every time. Some of the people that I spoke with for this story who can't be named because of their involvement with the review were saying, like, for once, it seems like there are things we can actually give CTP an opportunity to control. It's not like we're going to tell Congress that they need to do something else to help CTP or, or the Department of Justice needs to do something else to help the Center for Tobacco Products. For once, a lot of this could be in the center's control. Now, what we don't know, of course, is whether CTP will actually carry out these recommendations or not. But, you know, that's a future problem. Well, thanks so much for talking. Thanks so much, Ben. Have a good one. Last Friday, the FDA told me that doctors prescribing abortion pills to people who aren't yet pregnant are acting without the agency's approval. Advocates have pushed back on the FDA's position, arguing the tactic is safe and effective and can help expand access to care. Hi, I'm Greer Donnelly, and I'm an associate professor at the University of Pittsburgh Law School. Greer Donnelly is here to break down what the FDA's stance means in practice. I think the FDA is trying to say that they they discourage this practice. And I think that, you know, that's kind of understandable because of, 
you know, the FDA is a conservative agency. And by that, I mean, they're, they, you know, they are very averse to any types of risks. Um, and so they are looking at the, you know, how they have approved the drug. Um, they have approved the drug only through the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. They have, you know, made clear that they are concerned about the risks that could come with eptopic pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, you, you can imagine the FDA saying, hey, we, we want this regimen to be prescribed according to the protocol that we have developed, that we have assessed the safety and efficacy of that particular protocol. If people are prescribing outside of that protocol, that doesn't necessarily mean the FDA can do anything about it, but they're trying to kind of put their thumb on the scale to say that they are do not they don't think that this is, you know, the appropriate thing to be doing according to their own review. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Amen is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Ben Leonard. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.